Hey, I'm Andy. I'm Andy. And you're listening to the HMO Podcast. Over 10 years ago, I set myself the challenge of building my own property portfolio. And what began as a short-term investment plan soon became a long-term commitment to change the way young people live together. I've now built several successful businesses. I've raised millions of pounds of investment and I've managed thousands of tenants. Join me and some very special guests to discover the tips, tricks and hacks, the ups and the downs, the best practice and everything else you need to know to start, scale and systemize your very own HMO portfolio. Now. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the HMO Podcast with me, Andy Graham. Thank you so much for taking a bit of time out of your day to tune into the podcast. It really does mean a huge amount. And if you're one of the people who kindly left a review, thank you so much because it all does really, really help. And wow, guys, I'm so taken aback right now by the amount of positivity and the number of downloads on the podcast already. It's so encouraging to hear that you guys are finding it useful and I'm really excited about some of the stuff that I've got in store for you. So thank you so, so much. I've got a really important episode that I want to bring to you today. It's something that I feel quite passionate about and I think it's something that we should all be doing a little bit more of. I'm going to talk to you about stress testing your deals. And in this episode, we're going to cover the 10 key points to stress in every single HMO investment appraisal. Now, I get it. There is already a lot to think about when we're appraising deals. We've got yields and cash flow and equity. And that's before we even think about the physical location and how to manage it. But stick with me because these principles are so, so important and they could really save your bacon. Um, it's actually quite easy to do once you've got the hang of it and you can really de-risk any deal by spending a bit of time just working on stressing your deal. Now, if you're an experienced investor, you're probably not unfamiliar with the idea of stressing your deal at all. But what I want to explore in this episode is not just what to stress, but how and the relationship between the different components that we can stress. Uh, Because until we've done that, we can't really assess the full picture. In fact, we're we're looking at the outline. The idea of stressing all of these points is to colour between the lines, to really see exactly what this deal looks like under any circumstances. And by doing that, it helps us make informed decisions about every possibility, every scenario. And we can put contingencies in place or we can build the risk into the deal. And actually that might help us go back and renegotiate or have a slightly different conversation with our investors. So what are the 10 key points to stress? The first one is the purchase price. The second one is the interest rate. The third one are the refurbishment costs. The fourth is the possibility of down valuations. The fifth is the loan to value. The sixth is occupancy. The seventh is the rental achievement, the actual figure that we can get, the amount of money we can get for a room. The eighth is bills. The ninth are our maintenance costs. And the tenth are the timeframes or the timeline. So there we go, the 10 key points that we should be stressing on every single deal. 
Let's get started then. Let's first look at the purchase price. Now you're probably saying, Andy, why on earth would we need to stress test the purchase price? We know what the purchase price is because we're buying it at that level. But bear with me. Um, if we're buying on the open market, yes, it is re relatively fixed. If we make an offer and they accept that offer, the chances are that that isn't going to change unless we allow it to change. But if the circumstances are slightly different, for example, if we're buying at an auction, and I've bought at an auction a number of times, so I'm quite familiar with this process, and I'm sure some of you guys listening in today have, you probably will then not be unfamiliar with the idea of getting a bit carried away in the auction room. That excitement, that buzz of the, the auction room and all the chatter and the bids and the overbids can get us carried away. And we need to be prepared for that if we're going to go and buy anything under auction terms, either in the room or even online. I've bought online before and it's it's similar. So by stress testing the purchase price before we go in, it means that when we enter that scenario where it is a little bit stressful, the heart rate's up a little bit and we're having to think on our feet. We know exactly where we can end up with this. We know the absolute upper threshold of where we're prepared to bid on this deal. So beforehand, when we're looking at the appraisal, we want to factor in these different levels of purchase price and see what the whole deal looks like. And as we work our way through the 10 key points in this episode, we can also test those different possibilities, those different purchase prices against the other elements. Of course, if you're buying on on the open market and the purchase price is fixed, then this point won't be as important and it isn't necessarily something that you need to worry about. But if you're going to buy at an auction or a similar circumstance, then you need to be prepared. You need to have stressed this component to know exactly where you could end up. Five, 10, 15,000 pounds can make a huge difference on the output of your investment. And you certainly, if you're working with an investor, want to have had that conversation and have that plan before you go to the auction room and start spending money. The second key point to stress then is the interest rates. Now, interest rates are still a historic low. We know that. The Bank of England reduced them again recently. And that can influence our deal quite significantly. But lenders are quite varied in how they risk assess deals. And ultimately, the, the interest rates that they place on them are are typically related to the perceived risk as far as they're concerned. So some HMOs carry more risk, bigger HMOs, professional HMOs, they carry a bit more risk than, for example, small student HMOs. Uh, and different lenders do have different opinions, but the interest rates between the products, between the lenders, can vary quite significantly. At the minute, it's not unfathomable to get interest rates in the 2 to 3%, even on HMOs. But a lot of lenders and a lot of people will be lending between 4 and 6%. And that difference of a few percent will make a massive, massive difference at the end. And we need to factor that in because when we're buying and go through the conveyancing process, we're talking to lenders and we're trying to get an idea of what our mortgage is going to cost us. But sometimes we need to consider the refinance later down the line. And what if interest rates change in the short term? We've seen that happen recently. There's no reason it couldn't happen again. In fact, what happened recently was when interest rates came down the with by the Bank of England, the actual interest rates being applied by the mortgage lenders went up because they were, they were seeing it as a more risky environment. So we actually paid more in some circumstances 
So stressing this in your deal is really important because it really will quite significantly affect the cash flow at the back end. If we're paying more on the mortgage, we're going to have less cash to spend every month. And what about if we are reliant on a refinance, either at nine months or 12 months? What if we're going from a short-term product or private lending to a term product? That means at the point of purchase, when we're actually appraising the deal, we can't stress that component. We we aren't in a position to talk to lenders and get a mortgage in principle. So we need to be making a very accurate guess on what that interest rate's going to be. It'll be embarrassing if by the time you come to refinance, the deal that you get offered and all you can get is a one or two percent more than you postured to your investor, because that really will will make a huge, huge difference. So there we go. The second point, the second key point to stress in every single appraisal is the investment, is sorry, is the interest rate. And my suggestion would be at the minute to stress right up to 6% to see what it looks like. And it's good practice to stress beyond that to see what this deal could look like in the future. Interest rates will go up at some point. What could they look like in five to 10 years? Of course, we can't build a picture for every single scenario, but we can consider, we can look at what it could look like and we can be prepared. Okay, the third point to stress in every single deal is the refurbishment cost. Now, most people listening will probably be saying, well, yeah, I factor in a contingency to every single refurb. That's good practice. That's great. That's really important, but that's not what we're talking about here. A contingency certainly in my experience, almost consistently gets used on odd bits here and there. But what if things change quite significantly? What if the planning inspector insists on something quite significantly different? What if building control insists on something quite different? What if you peel back a wall and it isn't what you expected? Um, What if you have an issue with a builder? What if you have issues with materials, which some people have had in the last six months? There are a number of reasons why a budget can not just eat into the contingency, but can be significantly overspent on. Um, See what happens in your deal if you stress 10, 20% overspend. What if something terrible happens? What if you discover something pretty awful that you've got to deal with? This has happened to me more than once. And if you buy enough property, it will definitely happen to you. You need a contingency there. It's good practice to have had that conversation with an investor. If you're working with an investor, see what the deal looks like if something like that were to happen. Okay. The fourth point then that we're going to stress is down valuations. Now, this is one of the anchors, the real hinge for a lot of people buying, refurbishing and refinancing HMOs. That refinance figure, that revaluation figure often is one of the key determining factors at the back end. How much capital can we get out? It really will influence the return on the capital employed. Hopefully, we can get a bit of capital out. That's usually the purpose. We can get a better return on the capital employed. But what will happen is the yield will be affected slightly because our mortgage costs will go up a little bit as we lend on some of that additional equity that we have to leave in the deal. But what happens if we don't achieve that reval? What if it's not what we expected? What if the surveyor is in a bad mood and he just doesn't want to give you what you think it's worth? Well, that's not uncommon, certainly not in the current climate. People are a little bit twitchy. Lenders are feeling a little bit unsure about what's going on. And 
surveyors are definitely downvaluing stuff at the minute. Now, we can argue to a blue in the face about a downvaluation. Is it a downvaluation or is is this actually the valuation and our expectations were a bit higher? Well, it doesn't really matter. We can appeal decisions, we can go to different lenders, but still, we need to stress this. We need to really consider what happens if this comes back 30, 40, 50,000 undervaluation because that is a very possible scenario and it can massively influence the deal. For some people, that refinance figure will be the difference between the deal working and the deal not working. And we need to have contingencies in place. We need to have had those conversations with investors. We need to have set expectations and we'll be able to, we need to be able to manage those expectations as well. So play around with that revaluation figure and see what happens and how the whole deal is influenced by a down valuation and let it inform you, let it guide you. Okay, moving on, the fifth point we're going to consider, the fifth thing to stress is the loan to value. Now, this is closely related to the down, the, yeah, the possibility of down valuations. Sometimes lenders will come and appraise something themselves. They'll look at something, they'll have the surveyor look at it and they'll look at the overall financial picture and your personal financial picture or your company's financial picture and they may insist on you keeping more capital in that deal. They want to reduce their risk and they'll insist that you have a deposit that's a little bit chunkier left in that deal and you need to take that into consideration. What happens if all of a sudden the bank says at revaluation, we're not going to give you a 25% loan to value product. We're going to give you this mortgage, but you'll have to leave a 30% deposit in or a 35%. That is not impossible. That is not unfathomable at the minute. So it's definitely a consideration that we want to have and make. The sixth point to stress then in every single appraisal is the occupancy. Now we all talk about occupancy. There's definitely another podcast episode in here somewhere, but the occupancy is incredibly sensitive and the output of the deal will really be heavily influenced by the occupancy that we can achieve. With student lets, it's not uncommon to have occupancy at 98 to 100%. In some circumstances, in some cities, letting the property out for 52 weeks of every single year is, is plausible. We actually run 51-week contracts, so our occupancy is effectively 98%. With professionals and social HMOs, it's slightly different. Of course, we can have very high occupancy at 95, 98, even 100%, but it's difficult. And to maintain that is incredibly difficult. So we need to be realistic about what we're factoring in here in terms of occupancy. Now, my advice is always to stress occupancy for professional less towards 85%. And... That's not necessarily a worst case, but perhaps a more pessimistic view of what the deal could look like. If you do everything right, you refurb it the right way and you buy in the right location and you manage your tenants properly and you have a good process and system for advertising and managing inquiries, then 95% is certainly possible. But don't rely on it. Don't stack the deal up with it having to work at that level because it's risky. Um, you're, you're kind of skating on thin ice there. So my advice is to stress it down to 85, 80% and just see what the deal looks like. See what at what point this deal isn't making money. Again, it's just useful to help you manage expectations. And this factor will really be determined at the end by the location, 
mostly um, the number one factor for occupancy is, is predominantly location. So if the supply is there of tenants, then you're probably going to be okay, but don't just rely on it. Make sure you've done all your research and have a play around, test it. Okay, the seventh point we're going to stress is the rental achievement. This is the actual amount that we're going to be able to charge for our rent. So our average room rates are probably around 100 to 110 pounds per week, and that's inclusive of bills. In other parts of the country, that's significantly different. One of the things that I see a lot of investors doing is, is getting carried away with the idea of charging premium rents. Now, there is almost always a market for that so long as the tenant supply is there, but the market is thin, it's narrow. And over time, as your property starts to get worn in a little bit, that nice shiny look does wear off. That Instagram gloss does disappear after a period of time. And so that premium value isn't going to be there forever. Now, we might find and you might find that rents do continue to increase and you can maintain that. But my advice is to factor in a long-term adjustment to your rent and just see what happens and also factor in a short-term adjustment that you might have to make. What if actually that £650 a month figure that you think you can get because the nearest comparable is at about 550-600 and yours is going to be better but what if the market just says no? What if the tenants just aren't prepared or can't pay at that level? Maybe you'll get one or two and you might not get five or six tenants who can pay that. So factor in stressing that variable because you'll find the whole deal is quite sensitive to that rental achievement. Number eight then, the eighth point to stress is the bills and the utilities cost. This is a tr- this is a tricky one. This is a tough one to, to predict and to stress. With students, it is a little bit easier because we can manage the usage. We can put a fair usage cap into a tenancy agreement and we can make sure that at the end of the tenancy agreement, any overspend is clawed back. But with professionals and other types of tenants, it is more difficult. We can't point the finger at any one individual with them being on joint, uh, sorry, separate tenancies. We can't point the finger at any one individual and say, you've spent more on utilities this month and you've spent more on water and you spent more on the gas. We can't do that. We can't charge people for that. And that makes it very challenging for us as investors and as landlords to monitor and manage the utility spend. What we can do is manage them economically, communicate to our tenants, put smart systems in place, but that doesn't change the possibility of hefty bills coming through because tenants either ignore the advice or because we have a very cold winter. You need to plan for that. Now, my advice would be for a professional HMO, five bed, to stress around the £450 a month mark for bills, and that includes council tax. If your council tax is more like £200, then you need to add a bid on and so on and so forth. But stress your utilities and bills cost right the way up to £600 and just see what happens. These deals, your investment deals will be quite sensitive to this factor. And that's not completely impossible, that scenario where tenants are really racking up energy costs. Five, £600 is something I've certainly seen in the past. Hopefully you won't with good systems in place, but stress it and just see what the deal looks like. Number nine then, the ninth point to stress is maintenance and maintenance costs. 
I typically factor in about £50 a month for maintenance, so let's call it £600 a year. If you've just done a shiny refurb, then hopefully you don't actually need to stress that much. Hopefully the cost and the maintenance cost won't be that significant, but you never know. The boiler could break, some tenants could do some damage, things could just go wrong, there could be a leak. I've seen it all before and I'm never surprised by anything these days. It is definitely, definitely, definitely good practice to factor in as a minimum about £50 a month on maintenance, but stress it. See what happens if you have to spend 100 150 on average every single month. Just see what the deal looks like. Okay, the 10th point to stress, and this is the only one that doesn't fit on the spreadsheet and it's the one that everybody forgets to think about and to assess. It's the timelines, the timeframes. How long is all of this going to take? If we're borrowing finance, particularly on debt, the clock's ticking. We're paying every single month that we're spending that money. And while we haven't got tenants in, we're losing money. So that period where we're refurbing the property, we're preparing it, we're advertising it, we're losing money on it. We need to get tenants in as soon as we possibly can, but things go wrong. There could be a global pandemic that comes and scuppers your plans. Yes, that is a very plausible scenario. But seriously, this stuff does happen. These things that affect the timelines really do impact how much you might have to outlay on a deal. And it's really good practice to factor this in. If you're paying interest costs on a monthly basis, see what happens actually if you run two, three, four months over budget. Make sure that that contingency is there. See what the deal looks like. See how much capital is going to be left in if you have to throw that into the mix as well. Okay, so timelines. There we go. They're the 10 key points to stress. Now, my advice is to throw all this into a spreadsheet and start playing around with each of these tabs. Play around with the purchase price. Play around with the interest rate and automate your spreadsheet. Automate your appraisal so that if you change the interest rate figure, it's applies to the mortgage that you've got in place and then that will apply and wash through to the mortgage cost every single month and so on and so forth. So play around with all these components in a good appraisal tool. Then what you need to do, and this is the really, really important bit. This is the bit that everybody forgets to do. You need to stress these components against each other. It's no good just stressing one at a time because it's unrealistic. In reality, what happens is we all of these variables get affected in different ways. So let's build a picture. This is where we are coloring in between the lines. See what happens if the interest rate is a little bit higher and our occupancy levels aren't quite as good. See what happens if our bills are £500 a month and we run over on our initial refurb timeline by four months. See what happens if the refurb cost comes in 25% over budget and we have to leave in a 30% deposit to get any mortgage. Play around with all of this stuff and just see what it looks like. I guarantee doing this a few times, you'll get the hang of it and you'll find it very easy to do. And I also guarantee that you'll feel much more confident with your deals. You'll be able to present a much more accurate picture of a number of scenarios that will help you determine the level that you want to pay for the property at. It'll help you ensure that you've got a contingency in place, you know, a bit of a cash cushion or 
a secondary investor that could throw some money your way if that's what you need. But have a play around with this and see what it looks like. It really is one of the most important things that you could do. It'll hugely de-risk everything that you that you potentially buy. And it may even help you avoid buying a bad deal. Instead, focus your efforts on the next good deal. It removes the emotion. It's a very logic-based exercise. And I spend a huge amount of time doing this on every single deal. So there we go. I hope you found that useful. The 10 key points to stress in every deal. Please go away and have a go at that. Start implementing it on everything that you look at. Thank you again for tuning into this episode. It really does mean a huge amount. If you could spare just 30 seconds to leave me a nice, shiny five-star review, so long as you think it's worthy, I'd really appreciate it because everything helps. And of course, if you could share the podcast and tell everybody that you're listening and that the podcast's live, I'd really appreciate that too. Thank you so much, and I'll see you in the next episode.